0: You're listening to Heart Food Podcast, episode 41 with Maida Ferrance. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, movement, mental health, mindfulness, and body image, all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show will inspire you, change your mindset, and help you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin inside and out. To find the show notes for each episode and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, visit ashleypardo.com. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ashley K. Pardo. Find me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ashley Pardo. If you have a question to be answered on this podcast, please email it to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. You guys, this episode is incredible. Um, I'm not sure if anybody has ever been so open and honest The way that Maida was on this episode. And I just had such a great time talking with her. Like we say in the episode, this is the first time that we quote unquote met. We knew of each other through our NTP program, our nutritional therapy program. And we have been uh, Facebook buddies and Instagram buddies for about a year now, I'd say. And like I said, this is the first time that we spoke and I just realized how much we had in common, how much our stories overlap. She has such a powerful story. You guys will hear her tell it in detail. We both get really emotional on the episode just because I think that this episode really signifies what I really try to teach in general and kind of What I encourage everybody to go through as they begin to heal their relationship with food and really ultimately their relationship with themselves. When we struggle with anything, whether it's our body or food or alcohol or gambling or shopping or whatever it is, it's really not about the thing. It's about your relationship with you, your relationship with how you treat yourself and your worth and what you believe you deserve and how much love you have for yourself. So that's why I encourage everybody to really do the mindset work, even though it's hard, even though it can really suck sometimes, and even though it is way more difficult than just getting a meal plan or going on to a diet or something. This stuff is ongoing and for a lifetime, but Maida is a perfect example of somebody who has really been through so much and has come out on the other side and is just such a positive beam of light in this world and we really go in depth into our stories how you know switching to a real food diet really helped us and we both have a really balanced um relationship with food and perspective on food and that's the way that we approach ourselves and the way we really you know help our clients do the same so just want you to pay extra attention to this episode and um, reach out to Maida if you want to work with her, if you want to just send her a message. Um, she is a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified 21 day sugar detox coach in Round Rock, Texas, which is just outside of Austin. After 15 years as a stay at home mom and military spouse, she went back to school to earn her NTP certification through the through the Nutritional Therapy Association and opened her practice, Nuanced Nutrition, in March of this year. So she has a very unique story and she tells it so eloquently. We talk about her gastric bypass surgery, her recovery, spirituality, food. But ultimately, like I said, it's about worthiness and it's about self-love and doing the hard work that it takes to get there. Um, apologies for my voice by the way I'm feeling a little bit under the weather but um, the show still goes on obviously and I can't wait you guys for you guys to listen to this and I hope you let me know what you think so thank you so much for being on the show with me today Myla I'm excited I'm so excited too I know and for the listeners um, so Myla and I met kind of through Instagram. You had heard me on Danielle De La Valle's podcast, who's also been on the show. Um, mm-hmm. And you reached out to me and we became like Instagram friends. And this is actually the first time that we're like, really having a conversation, even though like, <laughs> we kind of know about each other. So I'm so happy you're here. And I would love if you could start by telling us what you do now, and how you got to do that. It's a big question. So Take as much time as you need.
1: Well, first I want to say thank you for inviting me on. I'm so excited to actually like have a conversation with you. As we've gotten to exchange messages and get to know each other that way a little bit, um, my story uh, goes back to a history of roller coaster dieting from the age of 10. And um, long story short, by at my high weight at um, in uh, 2000. One, when I was um, thinking about having a child when I uh, when I conceived my child I was at 339 pounds so I had this um, even though I had been very active when I was growing up um, I was always either on a diet or off the diet and we were either celebrating and I know I'm sure uh, you're familiar with the culture and I'm sure this is true of many cultures but you know we celebrate with food and abundance and then the next day we go on a diet right so uh-huh. it was like eat all the things now while you yeah, can yeah. and then and so um i was on this this roller coaster ride and um and i ended up there and um really my pregnancy changed things because that was the first time i really thought about nourishing myself like mm-hmm. the only rule i made for myself during my pregnancy was to eat um foods that had nutritional value what a concept. Mm -hmm. So, um, I actually ended up, um, losing weight during my pregnancy. So when the week that I gave birth, I was the same as when I started. And that was the first time that I actually saw now looking back that eating for nourishment was all I had to do. But, um, I, so I had my children and, um, my weight started to creep back up. Um, and in 2007, I found myself back at 325 pounds. And um, after a weekend church retreat, I um, kind of felt left with, like, I deserve better than than what I'm giving my body right now. And I deserve to ask for help. And um, I started researching bariatric surgeries, which I had... Um, you know, said no to in the past, but I felt at this point, I felt more ready. And I started doing a lot of research and I started making the changes that I knew would be necessary after surgery. And, um, in November of that year, I had a gastric bypass surgery and I lost a hundred and uh, well, I lost a hundred pounds from my surgery weight and, um, I kept it off, but then I, just felt smaller. I didn't necessarily feel healthier, or more vibrant. I just Mm. felt smaller. Mm -hmm. And so, um, a Facebook friend had posted about his wife's vision improving and she was over 50. And I went, I said, how does that happen? And I reached out to him and he was kind enough to sit down with me for coffee. And he lived a paleo lifestyle and he down and he told me all about his lifestyle and he was pretty hardcore the amber glasses in the evening and and grounding in the morning Uh getting out and without a shirt with the sunshine yeah and it seemed very big and overwhelming Mm -hmm. and um but he was able i said okay what's the first step and he said magnesium like everybody is you know low on magnesium we're so depleted and i was like okay i can start there and just little by little, I started, you know, um, moving gluten to see what that was like. And then I started noticing that um, when I had corn, I would have achiness. So it's like sitting there mid taco going, why am I achy all of a sudden? And I started to make these connections with how my body responded to certain things. And from there, it's just taken off and into the passion of study, both of myself and just learning what everybody else
0: has. Yeah. And, and it's so like, I think before we kind of get to the other side of implementing like a real food lifestyle, we kind of get okay with feeling, you know, just a certain way, you know, and we really Mm -hmm. don't know the impact that food and maybe removing certain foods. And just like you said, looking at foods as like foods that can actually nourish your body you know, which can also be very tasty and delicious too, you know, once you learn and kind of get over that other way. But me being a chef, I, you know, and being like a foodie for a really long time, um, trying everything. I used to think people that were on restrictive diets were nuts and like lunatics, like, why would they ever do that? Why would they never eat bread? That's not a balanced lifestyle. But then when I experienced the effects for myself and like for me it was like digestion and just like, like you said, I just felt smaller. You know, I didn't really feel like that light that I feel now that, you know, positivity, it really made a huge difference. And especially like, I relate so much to the celebration and, you know, get it all now while you can and eat a lot. Um, I'm curious as to like, did you get any like dieting messages at home of, or like any expectations of your body? Um, how did you know at 10 years old to begin dieting? Was it what you had just said, like as the next natural step?
1: I think that, um, part of it was just from peers. You know, I, um, I started dancing and doing gymnastics when I was in second grade and I was, um, I enjoyed it and I was always active, but I was always the chubby kid, you know, and I think that, you know, being in the leotard with a bunch of other, you know, peers is one way to just really see, you know, that difference. And then also being in in my um, younger teens, you know, I wasn't allowed to try out for the drill team because I weighed 172 pounds and the weight limit for my height was 140 pounds. Mm. And I, um, yeah, I was able to assistant teach a drill team prep class and eight out of the 10 students made the prep class, or I could go and do workshops with the drill team, but I couldn't be on the drill team because I weighed 30 pounds more than I was supposed to, supposed to. You yeah, know? yeah,
0: exactly. In quotes, And
1: in quotes, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, and so that was part of it. And then in our family. You know, we started the first real kind of formal diet that I remember was, um, in the year, just after my freshman year of high school, we were preparing to take a family trip to Europe and we all went on this, um, the whole family went on this diet where we would have like a shake for breakfast and a shake for lunch and, you know, and then, you know, dinner and we took all these supplements and Mm -hmm. all of this, and we did these like, um, these detoxes with lemon juice and, and maple syrup and oh, yeah. the sort of thing. The master cleanse. <laughs> and this was back in you know um, in the early 80s and so that was the first time I remember it being like on a formal diet and I think it was just, it's fascinating for me to look back on now but we equate um, health with weight loss. Yes. And beauty and value and all of these things are have nothing to do with the size of our bodies. And, and that's where I started getting those messages. You know, everybody's saying, Oh, you know, you've lost so much weight and you look so good and all of these things. And there's this assumption that it, it is healthier. And there's this assumption that it's in some way better. And, um, it's most clear to me now because over the past, five years since I've started this journey into a whole food lifestyle and then now being able to share it and educate, um, I still get that. I still have people going, Oh, you just keep losing weight. And Oh, you, you know, you look so good or you, um, uh, and I am like, in the past five years, maybe I've lost 10 pounds and more often I'm somewhere in the middle of that range. Like I think of my, my weight as a range and not a number. Yes. And it varies. Like if I have a food that's inflammatory to me or, and to me the change on the scale is more of a message. Exactly.
0: It's data.
1: Oh yeah, totally. That's like, Oh, you had egg whites. Well, nobody's going to say like egg whites made you, heavier, mm-hmm. but I have an inflammatory reaction to this egg whites. And I see it right there. And yeah. that's, it is just information. Exactly. And, um, so I try to kindly and gently change that dialogue um, to say, no, I really I haven't lost weight. I'm more energetic, or I feel nourished, or you see my hair is thicker, or my skin is smoother, or I have more energy, I'm sleeping better. Like all of those things they kind of show in in how we carry ourselves and how what we give the world it has nothing to do with what's on the scale or the size of our pants,
0: you know? Preach. I mean, I'm like <laughs> <laughs> aligned with all of that. And it's just so interesting to me how, you know, one tiny seed can be planted in a child's head that mm. they're different and therefore, you know, different have a different body and therefore they are ostracized from certain things or they're bad or less worthy. And you can carry that for your whole life. Oh, sure. You know, even just one person saying one thing about your body, you know, that will shatter a child's image and worth in in many ways. And then if it's coming from different directions, that is something that is very difficult to dismantle and kind of like untangle for yourself. It's possible, but,
1: absolutely, you
0: know, is that something that, how did you kind of, you know, take back the reins and decide that, um, you know, that you were something besides your body?
1: Honestly, I feel like I gained, um, more of a recognition of that. And it's hard for me to tell. I, um, and I know that we're going to discuss a little bit about my, um, addiction first with sugar and food, mm-hmm. um, because that is definitely part of, you know, my history with my weight and my, and my health, um, was using food as a coping mechanism mm-hmm. as well. But, um, really when I went into doing work in recovery for the various addictions, um, those things aligned at the same time like i was introduced to a whole food lifestyle at the same time that i started really doing the work in recovery and so those two things are it's kind of hard to differentiate which which impacted the other Yes. but um they really um i found that it's really been helpful for me even in my practice to recognize some of the things that i've learned both in my own recovery and working with others like you know, somebody isn't ready to make the change until they're ready. Yeah. And no matter how much information have or how much realization they have or how much shame they have um, until they're ready to make that. And what I try to offer is making those changes from a place of self-love rather than judgment. hundred percent. You know, being able to go, how does this, you know, how does this food affect you? And how does it serve you and or how does this behavior affect or serve you and um and acknowledge that instead of it being a moral choice whether you have a cookie or a handful of nuts you know it's just and so that's something that i've tried to instill in my children is like nourish your body feel if you're still hungry eat and if you're not hungry and you don't have to clean your plate. Like I've never been a clean your plate mom. And and uh, so I think in some ways they um, have been able to have the opportunity to trust their bodies a little bit more mm-hmm. and to just let their bodies be. I mean, kids go through, you see it in babies and somehow in babies we um, we allow it <laughs> in a way that we don't, ourselves or our children, but you know, we, they get chubby and then they stretch out and then yeah. they get chubby and then they stretch out. <laughs> yeah. So it's so natural. We go through these ebbs and flows of needing more nourishment or, you know, um, or not, but then we get these messages that like, here's this template and this is how you should eat. And this is how many servings you should eat. And this is the right way. And we we stopped listening to our bodies and we yes. stop trusting what they need and, whether it's today I need more carbohydrates or today yeah. I need more volume or, mm-hmm. or today I just need rest. like To be able to honor ourselves and to listen to our bodies in that way rather than to listen to all of these
0: messages that are coming from around us. Exactly, and those messages. I feel like now it's getting a little bit better. Uh, we're de- like people are starting to become aware of the detriment that it can cause, and I'm specifically passionate about like, um, you know, because I had a really difficult upbringing with my mom. I even did a whole podcast episode with her. We're in a really good place mm-hmm. now, but um, my mom came from a ballet background, and she had always been very thin. And when I was born, I'm curvy, that's just my natural body type. And she, you know, did not know how to deal with me potentially becoming overweight. And that led to Mm -hmm. eating disorders. It led to me having like this terrible, horrible relationship with food. Um, And it wasn't until like you said, kind of like how you do one thing is how you do everything, how, you know, that the food stuff bleeds into like the recovery. Uh, It wasn't until I like really changed my life in that way, like changed my fundamental self and my beliefs about my worth and what I believed I deserved and like actually wanting to love myself and take care of myself that things began to change. But speaking to children is something that I do my own research about, like, you know, potentially I'm thinking about hosting workshops about it here in Miami for children, especially in like such an image obsessed city, mm. um, you know, where it's very bad. The, you know, stuff that I see with, with children and the expectations that they have. So you kind of touched on it, but how do you approach, uh, you know, speaking to your kids about about food and their bodies and like their worth? I will tell you, someone
1: asked me, she's
0: uh, a couple months ago, they're like,
1: how do you get your kids to eat like you do? And I said, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, my kids are, are like, have these like typical teenager diets and I, my, my 15 year old is only really like wanting to explore more foods and kind of get, and then my 16 year old actually is interested in but has some sensory issues. So we'll actually like have panic when mm-hmm. it comes to trying new foods. So we're actually working with a nutritionist who specializes in those sensory issues. And and so it's just grace. Like the fact yeah. that I'm sitting here like, you know, with all of these veggies and all of these healthy fats and they just like model it
0: yes. and
1: and educate and then encourage them to be cognizant of their own bodies. Like when when I first started um, in 2013 with like gluten. Like I read this book called the ADHD and Autism Cookbook, and in the front is a whole bunch of information about um, these uh, issues with this food and and brain this gut brain connection, right? And it talked about um, gluten and casein in particular, mm-hmm. and I knew that if I cut out gluten and casein at the same time, like especially my older child would just not eat. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, she was like uh, buttered noodles kind of. Yeah. Kid. And so <laughs> typical said, meal have... oh, for gosh. kids. And so it was like, yeah, Parmesan cheese and, mm-hmm. that and so. I said, "How about we, you know, try going gluten free? Let's do it for three months and let's see what happens." So they were on board. And I tell you, that's when I noticed a complete change in my digestion. And where you talked about like just kind of accepting how we feel and not really knowing how much better we can actually feel, that was that first sign is like when I, I was like, I just thought that's how my digestion worked. I just thought that's how my body worked. And when removing that one element changed my digestion so profoundly, like, there was no going back. Like yeah. To me, that was it, and it didn't become like gluten's bad or evil. And it just became, when I have it, this is how my body responds, and now I know there's something different. Yes. And my kids only lasted a couple of months, and then they were like, "We hate this," you know. <laughs> but um, a, about a year and a half later, my elder child continued to me and she had been so congested. For months we have terrible seasonal allergies here in the um, central Texas and finally she was inquiring couldn't sing and she's just like having to sleep sitting up and I said you know I one of my friends um, finds that when she's gluten free her allergies are better I was like why don't we just do a little test let's try it for a month and finally she's like yes I want to try mm-hmm. being gluten-free because I've had it and um, within a couple of weeks she was completely cleared up. Amazing. And then like two months later, she were at Cheesecake Factory with some family members and she sees that bread basket in front of her and she says, you know, maybe. Um, the, the environmental factors have changed and maybe it wasn't the gluten after all and uh. I won't have that problem. And I said, well, you know, do an experiment. And she goes, okay, I'm going to add gluten back to my diet for a week. And um, I said, okay, and so she dug into that bread basket and she had noodles and she was just so, and by the end of the meal, she was already coughing.
0: Oh my God. And
1: then she's like, okay, maybe three days. So then there were all these, there were some foods that she felt like she hadn't found a gluten-free equivalent. So she was like, I want this and I want this. and, And so by the second meal, she's like, okay I just want a hot dog and then I'll be done like it was mm-hmm. from a week to three days to 24 hours in yeah. you know in that short period of time because she got to see that reaction and it was such a gift for me to be able to give her that space to make that um without give her that space to make that determination for herself rather than to say you know this is what's gonna happen or you're gonna do this and you know, and then see, I told you or anything. Yeah. It's just like, you know, make your discovery. And I do that with my clients as well because, you know, they'll have um, fear, of, like getting my clients to eat fat from the beginning is so hard because they've been fed low fat for, you know, the past 40, 50 years. Yes. And so I find that it's easiest to like address the fear. And so, because there's so much of what keeps us you know, from moving forward is fear. And so when we can kind of face the fear rather than brush it aside, you know, and so I said, you know, what is the fear? Well, the fear is that if I eat fat, then I'm gonna gain weight. Okay, well, how quickly do you think that that can happen? So how about, let's see what happens in a week. Let's, you know, let's take it in small pieces. So then a week later, when they're like, Well, my food tastes good and I'm more satiated. I'm starting to sleep better and, you know, and I'm not gaining weight. Oh, so then, and then it's just these step by step process, but it is, you know, letting them have that discovery going, this is what you can expect and this is what's going to happen and this is what you should do. it's like, here, let me help. Let me encourage you to do some discovery and really just empower empower them to, to make those
0: discoveries for themselves. And then it's more sustainable for them too. It's something that can last forever potentially, or like at least they have that knowledge that like, okay, when I do this based off of my own discovery and my own experiment that I've decided on, when I do this, this happens and is the result worth it? That's basically, that's basically it. You know what I mean? So like you, I haven't eaten, I mean, I've been gluten-free since probably 2013 as mm-hmm. well, like very strict gluten-free. Cause it's just like, once I took it out, my stomach started working again. And I'm like, and then mm-hmm. I went through a period because back when I eliminated it, I was still a little bit like disordered with my food habits. So mm-hmm. I would like, I was, I made the, avoiding it into like another obsession Mm. so I would like be petrified of restaurants. I would be petrified of going to people's houses because it was like this rule that I created and then I would Mm -hmm. binge on it. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't have it and then I would eat it and I would have like, you know, five cupcakes and then I'm like, well, fuck it. I already had that. So I might as well have pizza and cheese and whatever. And I have pictures of myself actually like waking up the morning of like a gluten binge after not having it for a while. And my face Uh is like this big, my eyelids like can't open because my eyelids were so swollen. Um, so, but I had to go through that to see, and now it's super easy. Now, like for five years, it's just been like, to me, I don't even see it as food, to be honest. I'm just like, it's not even an option because it's not worth, you know, I think for most people too, when they get to that decision, it's like, I love myself so much that I'm not, that I'm unwilling to put myself through discomfort.
1: Well, and this is where I think that um, it's so interesting to me and and frustrating and sad is um, in how these conversations start. So I remember that when I first went gluten-free, like it was kind of a thing. Like, you know, you said, do you have a gluten-free menu or is this gluten-free? And people go, oh, yeah, exactly. I still get that. Yeah. And then... um, and then, you know, Jimmy Kimmel goes on and asks all these people, are you gluten-free and what's gluten? And they don't even know. And yes. they don't really know why they're gluten-free. And so it just makes it harder for those who make that decision. And then it makes it kind of a joke, right? Yeah. Well, in, in, instead, I want to ask, like, how does this, why is there, feel this need for a pushback? What is the need to, like, judge other people on what they're eating or to, like, Have other people agree with how you eat is like the right way, you know, Mm -hmm. whether we're vegetarian or omnivores, whether we're gluten free or nightshade free. It's like I tell people, it's like, you know, tomatoes are not bad, there are lots of great nutrients in tomatoes. But for me, tomatoes cause inflammation, so I limit my intake of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to avoid them, but you know what, you know, maybe twice a year. I want some pizza and yeah. I'll have a gluten free pizza and I will enjoy the heck mm-hmm. out of it. And, and then I know that I'm going to have inflammation for a couple of days and, um, and I have it when it's worth it. And when it, exactly, it. but you know, there's people who have pizza every single week and they don't remember one pizza from the next, but I can tell you the pizza that I had last June after I went hiking and what was on it. And, how yes, delicious it was. Yes. and you know, and that sort of thing is, so it is, still get to have like you mentioned before having that pleasure Mm -hmm. and what's interesting to me too is that um, so two years after I became gluten-free I asked for some allergy food allergy sensitivity testing from my doctor and she actually ran the celiac test and she messages me or she calls me and she's like you came up positive for celiac disease And here all this time, like it was a total fluke that I'd gone gluten free. I'm like, let's just try this. Yeah. Right? And, and so she sends me to the gastroenterologist, gastroenterologist does the genetic, genetic testing and says, yes, you're gluten free. Because of um, the gastric bypass surgery, they weren't able to do a biopsy. They wanted me to do a gluten challenge, which I turned down because I basically said, will this gluten challenge, like eating gluten, is this going to change how I take care of my body given the information that I've given you? And he said, no. And I said, well, I'm not going to put my body through that Mm -hmm. doing more damage causing, you know, with that causing my body to attack itself. And then having to heal that back up. I was, I was like, now I'm just going to work on some gut healing Mm -hmm. and If I had listened to all those people that were like, ah, this gluten-free thing is a fad, or Mm -hmm. you don't have this disease, you don't need to be it, or whatever, if I wouldn't have just trusted my body and just gone, you know what, I don't care what you think, then I would have been two more years of doing damage to my body that I didn't even know about.
0: Exactly. And so
1: it's like, why don't we just trust people to be where they are and to love them and Mm -hmm. to offer them their grace and to know that when, you know... When somebody makes a choice, they're not judging you. And so, when we remove anything, whether it's, you know, processed foods or alcohol or whatever, you know, people like may try to push, oh, have this cookie or, oh, come on, you can have this yes. one, or have this drink or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, it It really has more to do with them. Mm, and mm-hmm. they're concerned about how you're going to look at them rather than what you are doing with your own body. Yeah. And so, I think that if we can just, you know treat each other with some gentleness and like you know I don't judge you for not for you know being a vegetarian or whatever you know um I mean not appreciate it if you try to make it a moral choice if I'm not because you're not asking me the source of my you know animal products and yeah. anything like that and so it's like we can have a discussion about it but it's like you know let's Treat each other with some compassion and grace and trust that we are where we should be right now in our journey.
0: Exactly. And like you, I, over the years have gotten like a lot of pushback and it was really difficult for me in the beginning to stand up for myself to say like, mm-hmm. you know, because like you, I do have certain things too, that I'll eat a couple times a year, like cheese. I love mm-hmm. it. And it doesn't make me feel like I don't want to get out of bed for five days. You know what I mean? It's just like, mm-hmm. I'll be bloated for probably three days and maybe I'll get a couple pimples and that's pretty much it but I'm like you know a couple times a year it's worth it and I know what it'll do and I enjoy every second of it it's amazing like we were just in San Diego and we had a you know cheese and um you know really delicious things that I wouldn't normally eat corn and I enjoyed every moment of it but then I'm right back to it there's no punishment or anything and like self-punishment from being like you know making it moral like I'm bad because I did this it's like no I'm coming from an empowered place where I know how things affect me and I make like a really informed decision and it's super worth it in that moment
1: and you don't go in you don't get into
0: that mindset where you're like
1: well, I'm having it now, so I have to have all of it. Well, now. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's,
0: and that goes along with this and also with like dieting too. Like, oh, I messed mm-hmm. it up. Now I'm just going to like F it. Now I'm just going to like really go off the deep end, you know, which right. I went, I've been through as well. Um, but I think also the fact that, you know, there is a lot of judgment that happens with people, especially loved ones, that happens with certain dietary choices. And like, you know, I've been on my own journey with alcohol that's been, that's really taught me a lot about other people and what they think and how they perceive it. And I realized too, that it really has nothing to do with us. And if you just Mm -hmm. like stand firm in your power and say like, you know, you just have to say no, or one sentence, you know, I'm not drinking and Mm -hmm. and that's it. And like, for me, I used to announce it. I used to be like, Hey guys, I'm not drinking tonight. (laughs) You know, and I used to like make a big deal out of it. Mm -hmm. But now I just like get a soda, like a club soda with a lime. Nobody notices, nobody cares, you know? So like, if you don't say anything about anything that you're eating or whatever, nobody notices, but I used to like announce it. So like, I felt like it was an elephant in a room because I felt, you know, uh, in a society of drinkers and people that, you know, don't have a limited diet. Like I was the anomaly. So I had to like say it out loud many years ago. Um, But I've really learned a lot about myself and really gained a lot of strength in standing true to what is true for me. Like you're saying, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Absolutely. It can be a great learning experience.
1: It's so empowering. And once you get to that place, to be able to share it is the best thing, you know, and to um, teach people how to give themselves some grace. Like I had a client in um, earlier this week, and, you know, she's like, oh, I really am not, I've been off. And, and I look at, at her at her food journals and things like that, and I'm like, this is, there's like a cookie. Like, yeah. it's like a cookie. Like, there, everything else you're eating is whole food. How are you sleeping? How is yes. this affecting you? Like, remember where, you know, two months ago, I mean, I've only been working here with her for two months, and it's such an amazing change, and we've gotten so, um, used to on it or off it or yes. you know like with it or and, yeah. and binary I saw, um, I saw today that Steph Caldera had this um, great uh, uh, post about you know being on the wagon or off the wagon and she's like there's not a wagon you yeah. know it's like it's it's life and it was and I just told her I was like you know cookies happen you know and yeah so what was the situation, you know, if there's cookies at work? And it's like, what could you do different if you, and cause she's like, Oh, it was too sweet. Like I didn't even enjoy it. And I was mm. like, what would you enjoy? Yeah. You know? And it's like, Oh, some dark chocolate. Well, what about putting some dark chocolate in your workstation? And so if those cookies are there, you know, you're not going to enjoy them, but you feel tempted, then you have something, you know, you will enjoy. So one, you're making that choice for yourself, but two, you're also still deriving pleasure Whereas having that other thing that doesn't taste good to you anymore isn't even all that pleasurable. Exactly. And it's just being able to go like, hey, look at what you've done.
0: Yeah. Look
1: at how things have changed. And it's not, I mean, this is life. It's, exactly. You know, I just came back off vacation and um, I was on a cruise and they were at you know, the head waiter comes to me and he's like, so what are all your food allergies? And I was like, oh, dude, you don't want to know. Like, <laughs> you, you won't bring me anything to eat. Mm-hmm. I tell them all to him, you know. So I was like, okay, the top two, gluten and corn. Yeah. So let's start there. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And then I'll ask questions.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: but it's like, you know, if I go, well, because some of the things are dose dependent too. So yes. sure, you know, like you may, maybe a little dairy or a little cheese depending on what it is will be fine. But, you know. I don't want it smothered in something. You yes. Know? And yes. So it's like, so I don't want to sit there and go, well, gluten, corn, eggs, nightshades, you know, like, go yes. all the things. So I'm like top two. And yeah. I take care of my yeah. Health.
0: Step by step <laughs> meal by meal. <laughs> uh, but it's really like you're saying it's a mindset. It's a mindset shift. Oh, sure. And as long as you like, you know, people get so caught up with the food, which is really important, you know, but it's really like if you heal your mind first, um, And kind of view it as like, you know, there's no morality on me, you know, I am not good or bad, whether I make certain choices, and a food is not good or bad, then and you view it as like, this is going to happen every single day, like, it's not like you're going to (laughs) go, you know, there's just life, like you're saying, it's just life. So how can I enjoy my life and feel well, and have like a resilient mindset? you know, when it comes to this, as opposed mm-hmm. to like, it's, you know, it's so easy, especially like from a dieting mentality to just like, we've been saying, go down that path of just being like, forget it. I'm going in the other direction, mm-hmm. you know? Well,
1: and one of the words that you said that stuck out to me was enjoy. Yes. And it's like, you know what? I enjoy food so much more now. Oh, of course. like yeah. I get excited. I, I was fruit um, leading for the, uh, this, NTA class that just graduated and all the group leaders went to lunch together one day and I was sitting there just like practically dancing in my seat because I, I was so excited about this meal I was about to have. And yeah, like, You know, when you're carrying around shame and when you're carrying yes. around, you know, that worry about what other people are going to think about what you're putting in your mouth and when you carry about like, because uh, you think it matters. And, you know, when you're carrying around all of this fear it's like, you're not taking pleasure. You're not no. really taking pleasure in it or tasting it. And here I was like, oh my gosh, look at this food. And it's so delicious. And I just like enjoy it. Yes. And, and I try to like, um, instill, you know, that message and on repeat, because it's hard to get people to recognize nourishment and pleasure are not mutually exclusive no. by a long shot. No. And so it's cause yeah. because people will go like, You know, I mean I have friends who are suffering with debilitating um, health issues but will say, Oh, but I love my gluten. And I just I just palm emoji. Oh, it's just if you could just feel how it feels Mm -hmm. and to and I, I have to say I owe it to so much to people who go, Well, you know, here are this long list of things that I'm sensitive to and go what can you eat? Yes. And for me to go, let's see what can I eat? And then that's what I spread. That's what I'm on. You know, my business website and my Instagram is all this food that I can eat. And it's so pleasurable. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really empowered me to just go like, I can eat all of these things. And they're delicious and nourishing and kind to my body. And what a joy that is. And and you can do that too. Like whatever is right for your body, it's going to be completely different. Absolutely. So.
0: And I think enjoyment also um, implies like slowing down, you know, slowing mm. down and being mindful. And something that I've learned and something that I tell my clients is that like back in my binging days, uh, the quantity of food was all I cared about, mm. you know, and I didn't enjoy a minute of it, a second. You know, And right. now, and what I tell my clients who just want huge portions of ice cream or huge portions of bread, it kind of blows their mind when I say like the quantity of food actually has nothing to do with the enjoyment of it, mm. which, Absolutely. which is a big point. Like I can take like, you know, of course I eat enough, you know, and I make sure that I nourish myself but I don't need to have ginormous portions that are not going to make me feel well in order to enjoy my food. It's actually like if I slow down and I stay present, my body will kind of tell me when I'm done and when I'm good. And at that point, the food is not enjoyable anymore anyway. Right. Once I'm overeating, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I noticed that too. And also it gives you a chance to hear what your body is saying, because sometimes you need more and sometimes you don't. And it's like, and and it's such an empowering place to like look at that plate and you just go like, it's good and I'm enjoying it, but I really know that I'm just done and I can yeah. have it
0: later. Like exactly. when I'm hungry
1: again, I can have some more. Yeah,
0: <laughs> of course. Like, and again, it has nothing to do with morality. And that's like a right. really big step that people can make, but that, you know, really comes from slowing down and really tuning into yourself versus, you know, A lot of people get caught up in just listening to arbitrary rules, um, that are not developed by their own self in, in turn are not sustainable. So I would love to really, what I really wanted to talk to you about is your story about, um, we kind of touched on it a little bit of like how you, um, you know, were addicted to sugar and then you had gastric bypass surgery and you have your own story of recovery So I would love if you could tell, you know, how that happened and um, kind of how you, because now you don't drink anymore, you're sober. Mm -hmm. So I would love if you would just tell us that story and kind of how it relates to what we've been talking about in terms of like, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything.
1: Well, one thing is that, um, so when I was growing up, I really, sugar was my drug of choice. And it was, I think it was maybe even after that episode of Oprah that I, I talked mm-hmm. about earlier, where I kind of looked, I, I saw it as that, like, I realized that I used sugar, you know, we had it to celebrate, and I used it to comfort myself. And, you know, I can remember, and, and I can still even see these behaviors. Um, today, they just look different. Like, yes. um, the other day, I had a little health scare, you know, I had to go in for a biopsy. And right after the biopsy i immediately went to the grocery store and it's like i wanted i wanted a pizza but what i bought was like cauliflower to make a cauliflower and basil to make a pesto because i wanted it to be nourishing and then i bought some guiltless gourmet uh, i mean guiltless goodies um donuts you know Mm. and this sort of thing but it was like and i didn't overeat any of those and all of this all of these foods were nourishing but it still was that comforting Yeah. so yes. it's still there it just looks different but I did I you know comforted with sugar and food a lot of um bread and you know that sort of thing and um so I uh and it was always you know on or off like I can remember my poor husband now like we've been together now for 23 years we've been married for 18 and so when we were dating there'd be times when he'd be like have you eaten today and i'd be like look at me you know i've obviously eaten enough Mm. like there was so much um i i just i had no love for myself i didn't even know if i was capable of loving myself and so um i just you know filled that empty when you were talking about binging it made me think of the same thing it's just like filling that hole like this this spiritual you know hole that was in my life and i'm trying to fill it with sugar and food mm. and um and so um i did you know it was after a church retreat when i felt this like like i can ask for help and and i had the gastric bypass and i was always a normal drinker and i remember because of that episode of oprah that you know i was really nervous about having a first drink after gastric bypass surgery and I, it was um, a glass of wine that I had in, like, four four months after surgery. And I was with my husband and a friend. And they're like, we're right here. You don't have to drive. Like, you know, we'll be able to monitor you and everything. And um, And it was fine. And then by February of the next year, I'd had my first blackout and so I started going to therapy and I kept you know trying to figure out like why um, all of a sudden alcohol was a problem when I was a normal drinker before like we could have half a bottle of wine sitting on the counter and we'd be like is this even any good anymore and we'd up dumping it out because we didn't know and then to you know slowly be like going through a bottle or two bottles it was like this Craving, and it just didn't make any sense to me. And um, it wasn't until I had a friend who, and I'm so grateful for people who are willing to tell the truth and to say things that you don't want to hear. Yes, and that, which is hard yeah, for them I, to do. Oh, it's not okay. easy. But he, um, this friend of mine, was like, he got so angry, and he said, "You're going to four AA meetings, one Eleanor meeting, and there's a meeting around the corner from your house." You can go while your kids are at school and he's like you're gonna do this and me being the total like people pleaser like i was just would do what you know everybody what i thought everybody wanted from me and um i was like okay you know and i'm grateful for that you know kind of defect of character that i had done of, of being a people pleaser because it's what got me in the rooms and mm-hmm. kept me there long enough to finally get the message but when i started doing the work with recovery it went back to all the stuff back when i was a little kid of course that i had started eating at yeah and i remember years before you know my my sister asking me if i had thought about going to like um away to Overeaters anonymous and and to me i couldn't like it was like admitting that i that i couldn't eat like a normal person like i, yeah. didn't, I couldn't make that admission yes and so that's why i say that I became, i'm grateful that i developed alcoholism and that my ism just showed up as something different when I was younger. But, um, but that I developed that and that it was enough for me to do the work because it went all the way back and it just completely transformed um, my relationship with myself. Like I walked into, um, I walked into the room and this woman said to me, she said, "Um, I'll love you until you can love yourself. Oh wow! And I just looked at her, like, "Yeah, good luck with that, lady." You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you know, and um, within a year of you know my a year of sobriety, and I was telling my story for the first time, or picking up my chip, like I had realized that I had love for myself, and that was such an incredible, powerful thing because that is how I'm able to do all of these things and to share that with other people is that um, I came to this place of of my actions now are at a place of love and care. Yes, And nourishing, you know, nourishment and nurturing rather than, you know, judgment and and, um, punishment and all of the, and shame, you know. Yes. So um, it's been, it's been a, A powerful journey but and you know it just has to get as bad as it gets to um to be willing to do the work
0: yes Um, and thank you so much for sharing all of that and I relate to it so much um and I think a lot of people go through that um the same sort of like feelings of that's why I think that if you choose to heal your relationship with food and ultimately like you're saying, healing your relationship with yourself for me and for most other people that I've known that have kind of like healed themselves in that way. There is a spiritual component to it. Absolutely. Um, So what would you say about that? How, what did spirituality, um, how did that relate to your own kind of like coming to terms with your relationship with yourself?
1: Well, one thing is, is that in the, you know, I always grew up in church, I was grew up Catholic, and, and um, I felt like I had, I compartmentalized myself, like, I only showed people the parts of myself that I thought that they would be willing to accept. And so, you know, my friends at church would got this much and my friends at you know, my family got this much. And, you know, and it was just like, and then I had some close friends that might get all of it, and maybe some of that I just kept to myself because they really just didn't feel that it could be acceptable. And um, and so when I walked into the rooms of um, into the rooms of recovery, like I, the God that I had in my life, I never felt worthy of. And I had heard, um, even growing up, just like you know, thinking of God as you know, this loving parent, this father and how there's no, um, there's nothing you can do not to have this love. Right. But, and I heard it, but I didn't believe it. I still had so much judgment that I just felt like I would never measure up. Like I could never be worthy Mm -hmm. of this God. And I think that, um, what I was able to gain in recovery is that they, um, Stress is God of your understanding and, and, and it can come down to some people, you know, use good orderly direction or some people use um, you know, whatever it is, the universe or love or whatever it is that they can accept that is bigger than them to know that they, you know, aren't responsible for the sun and the wind and the stars and this tide and you know for that anything else but their own actions and behaviors. And it's, like, to know that even community is bigger than me, right? Mm -hmm. So anything that is bigger than me could be um, my spiritual ground. And so being able to allow that rather than this perfect, you know, because, you know, we hear the term God-fearing, and so it's, like, um, and to have a, a spiritual understanding of something that's bigger than me and that but of which I'm, I can be a part of just as I am, you know, Mm -hmm. flawed and human and all of these things and um, and loving and that I can be led by that. And um, that it was just there and it didn't have to be, you know, the flowing robes and and bearded men in the sky exactly (laughs)
0: exactly it can be it can be really like it's so powerful and it can be your own understanding of something that like you make it just like you create your your own way of eating or whatever your own you know for me it's something that like lives inside of me that I always have like a certain power that also lives like in other life forces too you know what I mean like in a flower and in the sky and um it's just something that's like to me it's palpable and tangible that I feel but only once I was like kind of like willing to see outside of myself and not Absolutely. be so like just inside and internal which like never worked ever um you know and I would put it into sugar like you and and other stuff into men into drinking into whatever else and it really wasn't until I um realized that I had everything that I needed in a way and mm. that I could summon something that was greater than me, that right. things really started to shift.
1: Well, and it's to, you know, um, to gain the humility to know, like, maybe hey, I don't understand it. And, yeah, you, know, exactly. you look at the, all the different faiths and, um, all over the world and to think like, who's to say that I am practicing the right one? Or who's to say, if if God really is all omnipotent, like, you know, then isn't he enough to, or enough to, you know, make himself palatable to all of these different cultures and things, and really, um, as I taught my children when they were growing up, I was like, you know, if whatever guides you to act in a loving and kind way that's all right with me yeah Yeah. exactly
0: yeah well i appreciate you sharing that so much because it's something that i think a lot of people wonder about and they need to hear um because like if you really want to get to the bottom we have a lot of like people that eat emotionally that still binge eat and i always tell them and i always try to say that like In changing your life this way and stopping that behavior, you're going to have to really like overhaul your entire life, your whole past. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult work, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it, you know, because it will totally change your life. Um, And I always try to tell people that so they can feel a little bit better and know that there's hope, but it's not necessarily easy, but it's good work to do, you know? Absolutely. 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 Um, I'm curious, I know you're a 21 day sugar detox coach. Um, so, and I know that you just kind of told your story about sugar. What is your stance on it now? Do you think that it is something that can be moderated? Do you think it's individual? How do you personally approach it now? Because I know that there's like this whole thing, um, now about like hyper palatable foods, Um, and foods that, you know, for me, I do best just not having things most of the time. Like sometimes I'll have Mm -hmm. a little sugar, but really not often at all. Um, Mm -hmm. so what is your whole stance and your thoughts about that, about all of that? So
1: my experience was that, um, so I did a 21 day sugar detox a few years ago and, um, my experience with the program was, that it changed my palate mm. and so that's one of the reasons that I was so um I was so excited to be a part of it and then um San Sanfilippo is just she's you know a lovely figure as far as like being empowering towards women and, and not having a dogmatic approach to food mm-hmm. and just really wanting to offer practical tools and education and so um I in in this um, experience like having had this history of roller coaster dieting and all of that. Um, I had caught up with Diane on like Facebook Live and things like this. And so one day I was like, um, you know, I'm about to do my fourth round of the 21 Day Sugar Detox in in you know this calendar year. And she challenged me and she said, Why? <sighs> and I was like oh yeah so this is like are you paleoing harder are you like going back to your old habits like why and really it was that I was just like trying like I was restricting more and more and yes, more yes. and it was so like, common and I was like Wait, hey, you know really why am I doing this and and it came down to fear mm-hmm. it came and I see a lot of this now too Is like fear if you don't have the structure like not being able to trust yes. your own body or yourself yeah. with things and um and so it was a great challenge, and it's something that, you know, now that I pass on is, is challenging that. But um, one thing I found is that since my palate has changed, um, I don't have a whole lot of – I don't really restrict. Um, I just recognize what I what I like and don't like now. So yeah. I don't tend to like a lot of sweet foods, I, um, and, which is – in itself just crazy right it's like yeah i know <laughs> it's like it's not even it's appealing like crazy. what <laughs> so you know like i have if i have uh chocolate that's under 80 percent like i'm like and eh, this is kind of sweet for me you know yeah yeah um I, i'm not like some of the the coaches that are like eat the 90 and 100 percent chocolate i'm still not there yet but yeah, I, I do like my either. 80 or 85 yes. percent and um And so like, you know, I mentioned earlier, like going to buy the donuts, you know, like I bought these nourishing donuts, but they're also not terribly sweet and I didn't eat the whole pack. Like I just had one. And so it really is like, and you um, hit on this earlier as far as like, you know, um, when you were traveling, like having some things, like I'm going to have some cheese and I know what the effects will be. And I know, you know, like make these choices mindfully, um, that when I, I have it, I'm aware, like, I know that if I have a meal that is too high in carbohydrate, then my blood sugar will tank. That's just part of, um, especially since I've had gastric bypass surgery, I have that reactive hypoglycemia. Mm-hmm. So I'm super, um, I have been super cognizant of like, my macro balance for that reason. Yes. Not because I think one is better than the other. Or exactly. Like that, but, but for that reason, and so if, um, if I want to have something have a sweet then I always like nourish myself first. So I have protein and I have fat and I have vegetables and all of those things and then I let myself have um, Whatever it is if I want to have a dessert and what's amazing to me is that I can You know, I remember recently I had dinner with a whole bunch of family members and we ordered one piece of um, flourless chocolate tort and we passed it around the table and I had maybe two or three bites off of it, and it ended with me, too, because I was the one who ordered it. I was like, yeah, I want some. But when I order a dessert now, it's not like I want to eat the whole thing, because before I'd be like, mm, this is mine, you know? Yes, yeah. And now it's like, I just want to taste, because yeah. you know what? If I want it again some other time, I can have it, whereas before I felt like, oh. And you mentioned this, too, before. like. Um, you know, I'm getting it now, so I better have all of it. Yeah, better make it worth I'll it. I'll have to yeah. restrict. Yes. And so now I can have, you know, um, I'm a sucker for those little. There's dark chocolate truffles that are at the checkout counter at some mm, places, and I'll yes. grab one. Yeah. And that's it. And I yes. like let it melt in my mouth, and I let it, savor it, and then I'm good. Yeah. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and I've become. Um, I've become really. Um, choosy about my my treats as i said and the way i think of treat is more just like things that don't have a whole lot of nutritional value yes. so i just i look at it that way i don't look at it as like a bad food or a thing. No. i just like go nourish myself and then this is like bonus it's not something that i'm looking at for nourishment and
0: so exactly that's kind of
1: how i think of the whole treat thing rather than you know so um I just don't, you know, eat them when I'm hungry. I'll yes. nourish myself first, and um, and I don't judge it. And the cool thing about that is, is that's when you really get to recognize how much you're really enjoying it, and kind of yes. how you talked about when we were eating, when we were eating a whole bunch, like we didn't enjoy it. No, and
0: you're checked out. I, you're not present. I can,
1: re- I can remember the first time that I sat with a pint of ice cream and realized that as I was eating it, I was like, I was waiting for the next bite to taste as good as yes. the first or second bite. Uh-huh. And it wasn't. And yep. then I would take another one like it's not. Yeah, my mouth was already numb. I'm yes. not really tasting it. But I kept eating because I kept thinking that that next bite was going to be as good.
0: Exactly. Instead of
1: just going, I'll stop. And now I go and buy it. like I one of my little I was fussing about recently is this ice cream place that I like that has really great source of their dairy is, is well-sourced, and they have vegan options, coconut milk options, and that sort of thing. Um, they actually just had larger scoops. Like, they used to have these two tiny scoops would be a single serving. And I realized that I wasn't even eating that, so I would order, like, a tiny, one tiny scoop, which was a kitty serving. Well, they moved up to bigger scoops and so then I was only eating like half of the little kitty scoop and I was like I'm paying more for this bigger scoop And I mean like yeah. that's the
0: sort of thing that yeah I'm
1: doing now. because it's like okay like the first few bites were great and that's all I need exactly And that's amazing to me and that's one reason I'm so excited to share the program because you know when people come to me working with me one-on-one they're about to do a life overhaul mm-hmm. and sometimes it's it's less scary for someone to commit to 3 weeks and it it really is it's a whole food program so it's getting people into that and once they notice how their body responds i mean i had you know 21 day sugar detox participants that are sleeping through the night or whose you know are diabetic and their blood sugar numbers are lower than they've ever seen them or you know like these sorts of things and they get that chance to feel different like you you know going back to not knowing how good we can feel Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um then that just encourages them to keep you know making those
0: changes exactly and it's such a great it's a mindset you know what I mean it's a mindset that you can take with you anywhere you go so like you know I I used to get petrified and actually avoid social situations because I'm like there's too much food there there's all the food that's like tempting to me and and at the same time i was like but that's no way to live my life or i'm like avoiding places and basically avoiding the world whereas if like if you change your mindset around it and then also like you know potentially reset your palate and um you know kind of do like maybe a dedicated period of only eating whole foods then you can really go anywhere and really trust yourself around anything wherever you are even on vacation even you know at your birthday party or whatever it is so that's why I think that developing that mindset developing that trust and doing the work to get there is so worth it absolutely um so we've been talking for an hour which I can't believe because (laughs) (laughs) because you know I could talk to you forever like about all of these different things and we could even go on tangents into so many different subjects um There are a couple questions that I ask people at the end, just a few quick fire questions. Um, The first one is that the people that I bring on the show um, are people who have definitely had like some sort of struggle, people who are doing good in the world uh, and helping people, but also people that have like this light inside of them. And I could tell from you, even like before I met you, even just seeing Mm -hmm. your picture, you have that, you have this like spark in the way you smile And there's just like this energy that I feel around you that's like sparkly, you know, and like filled with light. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering, what does that mean to you? Is that something that you think about? And I know that in telling your story and kind of coming out on the other side, that that probably has something to do with it as well.
1: I absolutely think that it's, um, it's, it's love, you know, just being able to to allow love into myself and to feel worthy of it. Yes. Yes. You know, and yeah. then I have it to give.
0: Yes. Absolutely. Um. Totally. Um, so I always ask people too, just because I'm curious if you were on death row, what would be your last meal? Lasagna. Mm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I I'm, um, Biologically, I'm half Italian, and um, and you know between dairy, nightshades, gluten, yeah, (laughs) all the things that I don't have anymore. Yeah,
0: Um, yeah, those a really good lasagna. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Um, I'm also a huge reader, and a lot of people that listen to the show are big time readers. Uh, Are there any books that have had like really big impact on you, or a book that you're reading right now that's really resonating with you? Hmm.
1: One, one that really touched me personally, um, recently, which actually I'm actually listening to the audible version again is happy weight by our friend Danielle. Oh, I know. And, and it's just, amazing. Is, um, it's, I mean, I get all choked up now, yeah. it's just, um, cause I read things, um, in there that, um, made me think of my child and who yes. and I had, I had the opportunity to meet with Danielle at the NTA conference and um, oh, I caught her in a quiet moment in the expo and we got to have a good cry and hug and, yeah. and talk about this, but um, it's, it's such a beautiful piece of work about nourishing yourself and loving yourself and, um, and just being in the body you're in. And it's, um, it's impactful. So I yes. really recommend that too. All the women, and to read it on repeat or listen to it in Danielle's voice,
0: and um, until it sinks in. Yes, she's amazing, and the book is incredible. I also met her. Uh, I know that you and I had been talking about like the NTA conference this past year, which I didn't go Mm -hmm. to. Um, I'm probably going to go next year, though. Uh, So I hope I'm actually getting married the weekend prior to. to, So I'm like (laughs) ninety percent. Yeah. (laughs) Um so I'm hoping to go this year but I had that same experience with her just going to her at the expo before I had read the book because I think it had just recently come out and she's just such a light-filled person as well. Mm-hmm. Uh really has that positive energy and for the listeners who haven't or who are not familiar she's actually been on the show. I'll put her episode in the show notes as well. Um and the last question that I ask people is what is the greatest piece of advice that you've ever been given? pause you know um
1: in in recovery they say we pause when agitated and i think that um just pausing and being able to be present and um it gives you time to challenge all those thoughts that are going through your head and um and to just listen and and to receive messages and so just pausing yeah
0: which we could all you know use a lot more of. And even with making our food decisions, being, you know, potentially impulsive or something, just inserting Mm -hmm. that tiny pause can really do wonders. Because then if you pause, you actually have the power to make a choice. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying too, Mm -hmm. like bringing it full circle, you know, doing whether it's a food or behavior, or drinking or whatever, you actually have a choice in, you know, deciding what is good for you. Right. And
1: that's the only thing we have any we have any power over as long our actions. Exactly. Words, our action.
0: exactly. And
1: so you have a better chance of, of uh being something that you you know, that is gonna be more positive for you and others if you just take a moment to pause.
0: Yes. Oh my god. Well I've enjoyed this conversation so much. I've had such an amazing time with you. I wish we could go like eat a meal right now. Um, <laughs> we're gonna we're, do that. Yeah, we will do it. We will. Um Tell people where they can find you online, how they can connect with you. Are you seeing clients? Um, give us that all of that info.
1: Okay. I am seeing clients. I'm in um, Round Rock, just outside of Austin, Texas. Um, but I also do take online clients. My website, which is kind of under construction, but there's some um, rudimentary information there um, about me and my practices on uh, nuancednutrition.com. And, um, I can be found on Instagram and Facebook, both at nuanced and that's with the D at the end of nuanced, um, nutrition. Um, and that's it. That's where you can find me.
0: Perfect. Well, we'll put all of that in the show notes and definitely reach out to Maida. If you, you know, just want to talk to her, if you want to share your story with her. Um, and thank you again. Thank you so much for coming on and for sharing. I loved it. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to Heart Food Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode, visit ashleypardo.com. Follow Ashley on social media at Ashley K Pardo. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your family and friends and give us some love by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes.